Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast to help you be the best you can be to grow your business, your relationships and personal life. Our conversations with thought leaders and everyday people will inspire you. My mission is to show how positivity helps us all live a more rewarding and meaningful life. Hello, I'm Robin Stratton-Burkessel, host of Positivity Strategist. And today I'm very excited to talk with my super guest, Linda Quarles. Linda has a strong background in corporate America. She has worked in global organisations including Microsoft, BAE Systems, in the areas of organisation design, strategic facilitation, organisation change management, vision casting and culture transformation. Linda's also the mother of two daughters. Linda's travelled a lot across the world for both personal reasons and for her consulting work. So Linda, I'm so happy to have you here today. A big welcome to Positivity Strategist. Thank you, Robin. It's such a delight to be with you. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. I'm really looking forward to our time together today. Well, I'm delighted that you're my guest, Linda. So, Linda, I'm reminded that we first met about 18 months ago at BAE Systems in Virginia, where you were my client as a key member of a talented team working on implementing the diversity and inclusion agenda across the organisation. Our project was to design and facilitate an Appreciative Increase Summit to discover all the great stories of diversity and inclusion that already existed in the organisation and then collectively dream what more might be possible and design how the members of the organisation would lift up those stories to make diversity and inclusion a key part of the collective narrative and then go out and live it. If you remember, our topic of the inquiry for the summit was freedom to step outside of our comfort zones. You were such a key member of that team and it was a fabulous experience and amazingly, do you realise it was a year ago at the end of this week that we met. Wow. Yeah, amazing. So Linda, you were a great advocate of bringing appreciative inquiry into the BAE systems organisation as a way to empower and engage and enliven all the relevant stakeholders. So I wonder if you would like to share with us right now how that came about that you wanted to bring appreciative inquiry into your organisation development work and be part of your own portfolio. Well, thanks, Robin. Of course, you remember, we should really thank also Andrea Lewis, who was the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at BAE, who I partnered with on this effort. And when Andrea came to me and said, let's do something that's strength-based, let's uh, move the organization to the next level in the conversation, and let's do it by focusing on our strength. And she said, what do you think about appreciative inquiry? And I just uh, squealed with delight. I mean, uh, she said she remembers my reaction in that conversation we had in a hallway one day in between meetings where she grabbed me. And I think you'll agree, you'll remember that the outcome of that particular summit was so much more dynamic and creative than we ever could have imagined on the outset. You know, that journey was so incredible. And I'm just thinking back to some of the opportunity areas that came out of that, including collaboration without without boundaries and uh, belonging and freedom to do myself and our, our collective favorite, reframing failure 
in an organization that has had a history of really, you know, having a challenging time of embracing failure. And uh, that was so dynamic. And back to your original question about how that came about. And like even the long journey, even to that initial conversation that I had with Andrea was um, I'll have to cycle back a little bit, if you don't mind, to when I was introduced to AI. And um, first of all, as you mentioned, I had a long career at Microsoft, about 15 years. And uh, actually, I spent the first half of my career at Microsoft doing marketing. And I eventually was leading a global marketing practice around our emerging business. And Microsoft is a great learning organization. And uh, one of the things that it really values is for people to move around a lot and change jobs frequently to be able to bring great thinking into different parts of the organization. And I had transitioned from marketing, actually, into the operational side of the business in our sales organization. And in the second half of my time at Microsoft was actually introduced to uh, organization development through some consultants that that came and did some work with us. Doug and uh, Kimberly McKenna, who Doug had been responsible for running um, HR at Microsoft in the early days, and Kim was doing OD, and they met, they got married, and they started this consulting firm. And they came in, and they were so different than all the other consultants that I had experienced. And, you know, Microsoft does use a lot of consultants, and I had exposure to a lot of great sort of um, consulting partnerships, but they were very different. And uh, what I was introduced to then was OD, and specifically, they were really, they didn't call it this at the time, Robin, but they were really talking about bringing your whole self and your best self, which is very appreciative. And so that really started my journey and really wanting to know more about OD and exploring. And it took quite a few years in my own stubbornness for me to resist uh, officially entering the field. But um, a series of events happened and I really realized I could no longer stuff that desire within myself. And I actually ended up at uh, Pepperdine University, which um, since yourself and a lot of your colleagues have spent a lot of time at Case, I do need to you know, give some uh, credit to Pepperdine, who really introduced me to, to appreciative inquiry. And uh, there I was, had the opportunity to uh, learn it, to practice it really all over the world through my graduate studies and consulting. And of course, just to circle back, Andrea was aware of the work that I was doing in appreciative inquiry. And that's how that entire conversation, that was the genesis of that effort. So that's sort of the the long, windy path (laughs) that many of us, I think, often take. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for bringing Andrea Lewis into the conversation. Absolutely. She um, she was instrumental in making this happen for everybody. And as you say, it was really a transformational, truly a transformational experience because people left that two and a half day summit totally touched in the heart. And that's what I think, you know, true transformation is not just a cognitive ex- experience. It's a visceral heartfelt experience. Yep. So um, we we witnessed that, we facilitated that. And I have to say that has been one of the highlights of my career too. So I am forever grateful and indebted to have this continuing relationship. It's very, it's very important to me. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I do think that in our research we learned that that's probably the largest appreciative inquiry summit 
related to the topic of diversity and inclusion that we have been able to surface. And so we had about 300 leaders at all levels in the organization, from the CEO down to some really uh, passionate individuals in the organization. And I think a lot of people were somewhat, to be honest, skeptical about the probability of success of this type of approach in an organization that's in the government defense contracting industry, that's got a history of ex-military in the organization. And I felt that over the months leading up to the summit, just sort of the continuing widening and widening of the aperture of the individuals involved and the hopefulness and the excitement around this approach was really something incredible to be a part of. Uh, Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. And um, I remember, I I don't want to take up the whole of our conversation (laughs) with this, but we are having some very nice um, memories here because it was such a, a, a successful and positive outcome for everybody. And we had one of your clients there or BAE clients, which was the Navy, opening up with a story of how they had used Appreciative Inquiry to take their leadership to new levels as well. So there were lots of synergies in that particular summit that we experienced together. And Robin, you know, I'm remembering back to when we were working with the planning team and some of the exercises that we were doing to familiarize them with appreciative inquiry. And you remember Jill saying, oh my goodness, I've been doing appreciative inquiry. I did that with my family and I didn't even realize it. And I think that was so powerful when she said, I thought this was something that was just sort of formulated and out there. And I realized this is a way of living. (laughs) And that was everyone just really at that moment, I felt, at least for me, it was just a a turning point for people to realize this is something that can affect your entire life. Absolutely. And when when we embrace this worldview and this way of being, we recognize it's not only just, as you're saying, from Jill's aha moment, that Mm -hmm. it's a thing that we do, it's a practice, but it's also a way of being. It's how we begin to look at the world and how we begin to interact. So it becomes a very integrated part of who we are. And I'm very aware that, you know, this has impacted you because I remember how you talked about that it really impacts how you live in this appreciative worldview, bringing it into your families and across cultures in your travels. And you've done some really great work in other countries. So uh, that would be a fascinating to hear how you're using it in other cultures. Well, it's such a, a fun thing to talk about because I think sometimes people wonder how does this translate into other cultures, whether it's other countries or other types of uh, organizations and what, I have found in my practice is that appreciative living and an appreciative approach is something that's quite universal. Uh, when I was in Costa Rica working with this wonderful organization, Purdy Motors is, uh, they own all the Toyota dealerships in Costa Rica and we work with them and it was so well received within the HR team there. And in China, We used it a couple of times, but I particularly remember so fondly working with this high school. It's called a technical vocational school in the town of Datong, which is um, closer to the northern border of China. um, We were there in the spring and it was still quite cold and snowy. And we went into the school and the experience was just so amazing because what we did was we were working with 
the head of school, which who was an older gentleman, and when we first met him, was very uh, formal and somewhat austere and uh, very professional and serious. And his staff of teachers, who were for the most part about half of his half his age. And so he was really trying to connect with this different generation of teachers in his school that were leading the students. And he felt that, you know, there was some opportunity to break through both in terms of the dynamic amongst the teachers and the administration, as well as in how they were teaching. And I just remember in the space of two short days, the transform, absolute transformation of this entire group of people who were in the first day. We were actually, the consulting team was sitting on one table facing the client team on the other side of the table. We were sort of almost, you know, we were quite opposed to each other. <laughs> and uh, throughout the course of the two days, I remember for those people who aren't familiar with the actual methodology of the 4D process, uh, which you don't have to be, but, you know, one of the core opening tenants is around the interview where people, two people interview each other. And Linda, and, maybe you'd just like to say those four Ds just in case somebody's not aware of it. Oh, my goodness. It's discover, dream, design. And what am I missing, Robin? Destiny. <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> so I, uh, I remember in that first conversation, we said, we want you to pair up. And we had given them the interview script. And they rebelled. <laughs> they refused to do it. They said, we want to stay in our groups. We want to do it with five people. And, you know, I am, I generally believe that, you know, all things appreciative, you really want to sort of welcome um, the thinking in the room. But there's one element of the 4D design that I am quite, I won't say inflexible about, but I really like to try to get people to do is to do the one-on-one -on -one interviews. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you're sitting knee to knee with somebody, eye to eye, and just sharing a personal story, it's quite different than being in a group of even three or four. Mm -hmm. And so we actually had to physically move people and say, we can't, we're not going to allow you to sit in a group of five or six. We really want you to share one-to-one. -one. And from that moment till the end of the two days, when we had the entire group roused, rowdy, the head of school um, reciting poetry and doing a Texas Western line dance <laughs> in the room and the the gentleman who we could never figure out who he was but eventually we realized he was from the party right they always have someone there from the party and he was completely involved and open and embracing and there was so much ener positive energy and love and these this group came up with the most dynamic plan for moving the school forward that we would never have been able to deliver to them as traditional consultants. Right. We could have never come forward and said, this is what you should do. They created that themselves. They owned it. They had the plan. They came up with ideas that I would have never fathomed. I could have, I don't know where I could not have created those ideas from anywhere. And this uh, young group of energetic teachers who said to us, what is this that you're doing? We'd like to do this in our classrooms. Mm. <laughs> and we said, this is called participatory learning. <laughs> and they said, what is that? <laughs> and so they said, we've never done anything like this before. We've always stood in front of our classes and lectured. 
Yeah. And uh, the next day, actually the second day when we came back, someone had already started in the classroom asking questions, appreciative questions of their students and was saying that they were already seeing changes. So it was a remarkable and quite a, one of the most memorable experiences of mine and in being in a different culture, uh, different language, by the way, you know, we had a translator who we were very dependent upon who ended up being um, very instrumental in our overall success. And it was really just such a beautiful thing to observe. Yeah. I was curious about the language, so thanks for pointing that out, that it was actually in Chinese and you had a translator. And a couple of other points I just wanted to bring up, and that is I'm curious that the five, the, the teachers there were a little resistant to conforming to what you wanted to ask. So that's my stereotype, that this is a culture that respects the hierarchy and would have done as you requested. So that was... That was one surprise for me and a great and interesting that they just wanted to be as they normally are rather than experiment. Yes. So I guess that's the, the bigger pull, right, St- sticking with the status quo. Yes. Isn't that interesting? I agree. I was surprised myself to see that bit of they really kind of rejected our, our instruction and that was quite surprising. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, you know, what are you doing here? How is this working? And it's this whole notion of participatory learning yes. and that they had ownership of what they were designing and therefore they were owning their own outcomes. And I think the real piece is that they actually experienced it. I mean, my sense is you can't talk about this. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, when I if I go into an organisation and I'm hoping that they or they're interested in doing something for their community, for their members, for their all the stakeholders, it's not it's not good enough just to talk about the process. It is providing the experience, and that is what makes the difference. And I think the appreciative inquiry interview is really a breakthrough element. And I believe that through asking the right appreciative question, to me, that is more often than not the tipping point. That's really it's a simple question focused on what's what's a val- of value, what's been the best, what's been the high point and the highlight. Just that, just that one little crack and fissure can really change the conversation. And so, you know, I tell people all the time, you don't have to do all four Ds. You can, you know take different approaches, but that interview itself to me is a really crucial part of the process that is in many situations, I think, I I hate to say non-negotiable, but that is really where the magic happens, let's say. Yeah, Yeah, it's asking that unconditionally affirmative question um, that starts the direction of the conversation. And so it determines what you find. And, you know, Robin... It's funny because I find that in my family, that's also the case so often with my girls who are now ages seven and eight. And um, my friends have said to me, oh, it's such a struggle when they come home from school. I say, what happened to you today? And it's always, I don't know, nothing. (laughs) And they say, how do you get your kids to share with you what happened to them in school or to open up? And I try to ask appreciative questions. I will say, 
what's the best thing that happened to you today mm-hmm. at school? You know, and that just really enables them to try a different kind of conversation. Or I'll say, um, what did you do today to bless someone? And what did someone do to bless you? Mm-hmm. And not only does that get them to start thinking about their day in a different way, but the next day they'll be looking out for that. They'll be looking for an opportunity to bless someone. They'll be um, looking for when someone has blessed them when sometimes it might just sort of pass right by. And so we really look for those opportunities to be a blessing. We look for those opportunities when someone has done something that's put a smile on your face or helped you and Uh, that's really a part of our family dialogue and vernacular where we are constantly trying to say, well, is there anything else that we can do do to be a blessing? Mm, That's great. That reminds me of, I I gave a talk a couple of weeks ago on relational leading and I was giving the example of asking positively framed questions, these appreciative questions so that you're moving in the conversation, you're moving the conversational partner to something that worked well or something they're proud of or a situation that um, elevated them to somewhere different that worked for them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so this woman just jumps out and says, oh, she says, I say to my daughter every day that I drop her off at school, have a fabulous day. So she laughed and she said, is that appreciative? And I said, well, what happens as a result of that? She said, my daughter comes home and she tells me all the fabulous things that happened to her that day. And I said, well, what do you reckon? And she said, I think it is. So, you know, it's a bit like when you were talking about Jill, you tell these little stories and you give these examples and people say, oh, my God, I'm doing it. And that's so affirming, you know, this intuitively, it makes sense. I'm doing it. Yes. So. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we don't, sometimes things happen that are not so great. And of course we welcome that conversation, you know, we don't want to shut that out of our, you know, our family dialogue to say, Oh, don't ever talk about something bad that happened Mm, to you. But I, but you know, but it's a great opportunity just to be able to say, despite that there was at least something that happened to you that was great, if not great, good. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to add around what this positive Uh, positivity means for you and you know how other examples that you might have that you are integrating into your life and being an example for your daughters well you know uh, you know my background is uh, one of a specific faith and one of my I would say my life motto is your attitude determines your attitude. And that's really based upon a writing of uh, Paul the Apostle in Philippians, where he says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what I need. it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Mm-hmm. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And so to me, positive living is just that. It's saying in this situation, I have control. I might only have control over one thing in this particular situation, which is my attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many things in life that are out of our control. Um, people, probably people listening today are dealing with very challenging things in their life, right? Illness, conflict, business difficulties and failures, 
some of those things within your control, many of them not. Mm -hmm. And what is the one thing that you have control over in that situation is your outlook about it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, positivity is really, it's about an attitude. It's about a hopefulness. It's about an optimism. And as you have noted previously, it's about a resilience. So regardless of whether I am hungry, poor, feeling lonely, is there something that I can see in this that I have the ability to say, I'm looking, I'm choosing to look at this in a certain way. And there's so many examples throughout history and everybody's personal life where you look back and say, oh my goodness, that was one of the most challenging things I went through, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because here's what I learned. Here's who I met through that process, who has become someone so dear to me in my life. Here is something better that came along that I felt like I wanted that thing so badly and I didn't get it and I was so devastated, but the reason I didn't get that is because there was something better yet. And so I think to me, positivity is really being able to have that awareness, not just in that moment in retrospect, Mm. which most of us um, can have, but also trying to have that awareness in the moment to say, I know someday I'm going to look back upon this and, and realize that there was a value to this experience in my life, no matter how challenging, hard or painful it was. Yeah, I love that you say in this moment because it's all moment by moment yes. and recognizing that those low moments um, are just moments, just as the yes. high moments are just moments. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you want a normalized curve there, you know, over the yeah. length of time. And so, you know, I've, I've always believed in this this wholeness. It's the yin and the yang. It's, you know, you can't have one without the other. I mean, they complement each other. And I, I choose to look at it as if, it's where am I going to focus my energy? And at times mm-hmm. when I'm feeling low, I, I need to pull in and I realize that that's a signal to me that I need to do something a little differently. And I recognize that it's just a moment, even though it may be painful in that moment and the moment might last too long. <laughs> um, however, positivity is the same thing. None of these things, you can't have sustained whatever. I mean, in the extreme, it can happen. And, you know, there is support and help that's available to us, fortunately, for most of us anyway. However, just recognising that this, you know, sustained happiness or sustained positivity is a false a false goal. We, yeah. are, we are natural human beings and we, we live from moment to moment and we embrace the good with the bad because we, it's a holistic life that makes us who we are. And I do think people yearn for that as well. People... I shared with you that video of that young high school football player, Apollos Hester from Texas, who was who, who had been through a difficult football game. And aside from the game itself, just had this incredibly upbeat attitude. And it's gotten, I think, at this point, over 7 million views on YouTube because people are just yearning to see someone who's got a positive attitude in life. And in fact, I have a friend of mine who is trying to get in touch with this young gentleman who's in high school to say, when you graduate from college, I would like to hire you (laughs) because I am looking for people to join my organization that have the right attitude. It's amazing. I mean, this has genuinely happened. I think this, you know, this friend of mine is not the only person who's gotten this idea. This young gentleman who is really just a kid playing football, but it's really about, he's trying to, 
and he wasn't trying to motivate people. He was just sharing what was in his heart, which was, you know, there's always going to be something that you can control, which is how do you look at things? Is there something good, positive to come out of this? It was just so inspirational. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for drawing my attention to it. And I can't believe with 7 million views already, I wasn't one of those 7 million, <laughs> but I am now. And um, there, we'll have a link to, uh, to this particular video in the show notes that you'll be able to find on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. You'll see the notes here from this conversation that I'm having with that particular video. Um, so thanks for bringing that up. I, I was very inspired by that, Linda. What about with your daughters? Well, you know, if you think about what's the big conversation maybe that you'd like to have that is is helping you think about the kind of world you'd like your daughters to grow up in? Is there a particular conversation or an aspiration that you have for the future of our planet and the future of your daughters and other children? Hmm. Well, there's... And there's a lot of aspirations that I have, you know, we all do for our children. I think, you know, people really want the best for their children. One area that's become very important to me in my life is this concept of servant leadership. And we really try to instill that in our kids. And, you know, I don't call it that. And what we do is we say, what are you doing, as I said previously, to bless people, to serve people, to be helpful? And how do you do it in a way that impacts the world around you positively, no matter how small that world right might be? You know, many times the world around them is just me and my sister, you know, my sister, just the two of us. And so we're very focused on sort of what are you doing in every moment to uplift and encourage and be a blessing to the person around you. So to me, the whole dialogue around servant leadership is very interesting because it's an area that a lot of people do aspire to. And I do think sometimes the concept seems very difficult to achieve, but really it's in its most basic form, quite simple. And it's really putting the needs of others ahead of yourself. And it's about sort of looking at things from the perspective of um, how will this impact uh, the world around me? How will this impact myself in this relationship? How will this impact me and my community and my neighborhood and my school and my church and my business in a way that's going to leave things better off than when I left them? I think it's it's a very challenging world that our kids are growing up in, Robin, right now. And there's so much distraction and competition for their attention. It, it's funny. I'll give an example. The other day we had uh, we have some girls that we love to spend time with. They recently moved here from Colombia, and uh, they're these beautiful young girls that are a little bit older than my kids. Um, they get along very well, and we've been spending a lot of time with them because we really feel that it's an important, going to be an important relationship in our life. And these two girls, for the first time, got their devices. You know, they had never had devices before, and their parents saved up and traded them to these devices. Well, I'll be honest with you, it really changed the dynamic of our play date, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> of the time that we were spending together. And it really took the focus off of each other and sort of put it on themselves. And so we really encouraged them to say, let's just put those aside for a minute. And I know this is a little bit off the topic, but really I feel like it. There, we have so many things competing for attention to be focused on each other in relationships. And I really feel like we have a great challenge ahead of us in the next generation to raise and raise young people who are going to be able to be sort of focused outside of their self. Mm. 
questions. Mm. And I feel like even the willingness to ask a question of someone that shows curiosity, that shows interest, that shows a desire and getting to know what's important and what's of value to them has the risk of becoming a bit of a lost art. And so um, I think uh, the core tenant of one of the core tenants around a Persian Korea is this concept of storytelling and storytelling has endured through many, you know, thousands of years and generations. And I feel like the power of people to connect over a simple story is something that I hope we do, we do not lose with the, the advent of all of these other ways that are, that are tweetable and sound biteable and, compressible into a status update. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. And look, you've just reminded me of a, a lovely podcast that I'm aware of called The Greatness Zone by Jay mm. Forte. And he has a real passion for working with young people. And he's about to launch a new podcast called Ready for Life. Mm. And one of the premises is that he wants he, what he wants to bring back into young people is the ability to stop and notice what's mm. going on in their immediate world around them. So just what are you observing to strengthen that ability to notice and to be attentive and to have these conversations one-on-one? I think what you're saying in terms of reconnecting in a relational way And that's part of my focus in this topic of relational leading that is really drawing me and getting my attention at the moment because I think it is about reconnecting. I love social media. I love the social world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And we can also connect through conversations and stories and notice the world around us and how we fit in to our immediate environment and be very mindful of the context that we're contributing to. Well, Robin, I just want to share one short story is that we were um, two weeks ago, actually, we were in Abu Dhabi in the UAE and my entire family was there and we had the opportunity to visit the Grand Mosque. The Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi is spectacular. It is the, the third largest mosque in the world and the largest mosque that non-Muslims are permitted to visit. So it's really the largest mosque that you know most of us would have access to if you're not Muslim. And it's, it's just stunning. And after we had toured through this gigantic space, my children said to me, Mom, can we go through again and this time not take any pictures mm. so we can just appreciate and enjoy the mosque? Mm. And I'll tell you that second time through, I noticed so many more things that I hadn't noticed the first time through, although we were taking pictures and trying to capture all of those, just being in touch with the world around us. And I really credit my kids for that. I mean, I hadn't thought of it at all. And they just said, you know, we really just want to enjoy the, this place, this awesome place that we have this opportunity to see and not look at it through the lens of a camera, but with our own eyes. And I think that's what people yearn for in connection, and that's what a lot of uh, person of living is about, is sort of connecting in your, with your own eyes, literally or figuratively, right, in that moment when you're looking eye to eye with someone and having that uh, moment of inquiry and curiosity and 
genuine, authentic desire to learn more about that other person's experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. That ties it all together. Thank you for bringing it back to the appreciative living and (laughs) storytelling and seeing it through others' eyes. That's really beautiful, Linda. Thank you. So I'm wondering, how can our listeners find out more about you? Where can they find you on social media talking of such things? Well, I know that you have the LinkedIn profile link Mm -hmm. and I also am consulting right now with a great group of individuals called Corporate Looking Glass and there we're doing a lot of work in this arena of both appreciative as well as uh, looking at diversity and inclusion, looking at uh, enabling and retaining employees in businesses. It's great practice and I hope that everyone has a chance to check out what we're doing there. That's fun, fantastic. Thank you so much, Linda. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say that hasn't come up and you, you're burning to say something right now? Well, I'm burning to say that I appreciate you, Robin. I think what you're doing is fantastic. It's important. It's inspiring. I hope that many people will uh, have their eyes open to something new because of the work that you're doing. And I really uh, hope that we will welcome many other people into this conversation through the podcast. Linda Quiles, I'm so appreciative of you. Thank you so much for today and it's been a lovely conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Go to positivitystrategist.com forward slash PS7 to find the show notes and links to today's episode, Appreciative Inquiry Across Contexts, Cultures and Generations with Linda Quiles. If you have questions or ideas that you'd like to hear discussed on upcoming episodes and possibly participate in our show, go to positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast where you can submit your ideas or leave me a voicemail. I will respond. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows... So grow towards your best.